advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. This is a special series called PodX, where speakers share their passion. Initially, PodX was supposed to be an 18-minute challenge. However... Interactions with guest speakers highlighted a few issues that I did not consider, and so out came the second format, which is simply just a regular talk with no time limit. Today's inaugural talk is by Dr. Isla Fishburn, who performed a private shamanic ceremony to bless Podex Live for Mind Valley members. This is an edited version of canine nourishment of a different kind to share with the general public. Dr. Isla's work is very spiritual and resonates deeply with me. I want to thank her for making the time to share this with me and now with you. Namaste. So, welcome, welcome. This is um, going to be a really informal talk and then we're going to have a chat and some questions um, at the end. Um, what I was really inspired to talk about today um, is... Yeah, canine nourishment of a different kind. Um, nourishing our companion animals is a really important subject for me. Um, has been for a long, long time. And when we think of nourishment, nourishment, mostly when we think of nourishment, it's like, oh, well, it's our diet. It's how we nourish ourselves and, and what we eat. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the food that we eat and the water that we drink and where that water comes from etc etc and what's so beautiful uh thanks margaret seeing your, your message what's so beautiful in the in the canine community now in the canine professional industry is this this wealth like explosion of interest about um how to nourish our canines how to nourish our dogs what's the correct food that they should be feeding um and that is one element of nourishment but there is all manner of the things that also include nourishment and one of those aspects of nourishment I'm, I'm going to talk about today so that's where we're going to go to in a moment but like Amrith so um, politely um, invite me to do is just to give you a little introduction about who I am and the work that I do um, so I am 
Okay, and I'm a wellness practitioner. I am a shamanic practitioner. I have a PhD in conservation biology. I'm a zoologist. I have a master's in conservation biology as well. And I spend working with captive wolves in a wild park in the UK. Um, and all those things have been my passion. My love for animals, my study of zoology, my love for nature and the environment and the planet and conservation, my love for canines. And so when I was doing my PhD, I really wanted to, I had my headset on becoming a um, conservation biologist uh, for wolves, so a, a wild canine conservation biologist. And really my focus is on wolves. Uh, I didn't care whether I was going to be in America, whether I was going to be in Europe, I was just going to be out for the rest of my life, just in the field, in the mud, in the rain, in the snow, um, yeah, come rain or shine, just exploring wolves, studying wolves, looking at this kind of conflict and coexistence between predator and man or predator and humans. And yeah, that just that's kind of my dream. That's like how I kind of saw my life. And it really didn't work out that way. And for the better, actually, there was a time in my life where it didn't work out that way and I was really, really stuck and confused. And that's kind of the part of the story that I want to share for getting into the, the talk today of um, canine nourishment of another kind, because I've always had this underlying knowing uh, since a child. And I'm going to say, I mean, since I was, I, from when I can remember since I was eight years old, but from as long as I can remember, like as a child, I used to always ask for a wolf and a bear always ask for a wolf and a bear and also this is the bit I can't quite remember why but I used to also ask for a fireman's ladder so I don't quite know why but I always had to have my wolf and my bear and my fireman's ladder needed those three things that was really important for my life um but my wolf and bear had to be real and alive but small enough so that they could fit in my pocket so wherever I went my wolf and bear could come with me because they would they'd be alive but they'd fit in my pockets so they'd always be with me and so I kind of became quite disheartened as a child like my poor parents person like I was surrounded and loved by my parents but I just became really disheartened because I'm like well I do I do everything that I'm asked for I'm polite to my grandparents I do the chores and like I get taught that you were rewarded when you kind of these are the rewards that come in when you do do as you're told and like that all I really want is my real life wolf and bear and find my ladder. Like, why, like, what's wrong with me? Why am I, like, why am I not getting these things, these gifts? And then obviously I realized that uh, I got a little bit older and then realized that um, I didn't get those things because it's just, it can't happen. In this physical world, at least, it can't happen. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, but I always had this wolf and bear, and even to this day, I have a wolf and bear that follows me. Um, but as as an older child and really I can remember this from around eight years old, I have always had this just knowing of our connection to to life. Um, not not really sure where it came from, to be honest, but just had this knowing. And so I started to read books around indigenous wisdom, indigenous knowing, indigenous life, traditions, beliefs, cultures, customs. Um, I mean, even, oh, I kind of want to say I was maybe because I didn't quite understand it so well at the time, but even I think maybe when I was 11 or 12, I read Bury My Heart, Wounded Knee. Um, so really into to these these kind of deep histories and teachings. Um, and I got to, yeah, early, early teens, like maybe even not even quite teens, like 11 years old and maybe 10 or 11. And I'd say to my friends, like, guys, we had like a local nature reserve near where I lived called the Sandhills. And I was like, guys, should we go down the Sandhills and let's talk to the stones? And people like that, well, no, Isla, because that's just weird. Like, nobody does that. Like, what are you talking about? So I just kind of, I shut it off. I was just like, oh, I'll just do some stuff on my own in my bedroom or whatever. But I just kind of shut that off. And um, then came the academia. So then I, I went into academia. I went into science and 
biology and ecology, population dynamics, zoology, um, conservation. But it threw me really deep into that left brain, that analytical brain that you've got to analyze, you've got to find the evidence, you've got to criticize, you've got to um, always find meaning, always find meaning. And like we've just talked about before the recording happened of the, the work that I'm going to go, the work, some of the work that I'm going to share, some of the teas I'm going to share, like the mind can't comprehend it. Literally it can't because this, this side of us that we are, this part of us that needs nourishing, this part of our dogs that need nourishing is it can't be dissected. And that's what's really confusing for us as humans because um, we are so conditioned at an early age to to just kind of live live by the mind and what the mind tells us and what the mind understands. And this goes against what the mind can comprehend, what the mind can understand. Um, but yeah, I kind of got, was it was in academia and, and, and you know, it's almost like I, I did some work I do some of my own work at the moment and um, just with um like some of my ancestral work and one of the things that came through was like um i was so proud like i've got a i've got a phd like wow like imagine imagine what your life must be like having a phd and i was the most miserable i've been in my entire life i was miserable um because i had this underlying this underlying belief system of that i'm not good enough and like yeah i've got a phd but you know i kind of fluked it it's just I just worked really, really hard, so I must have fluked it. Like I just, I'm still, I'm still not good enough. What gives me authority to, to talk about this or to want to do this or, um, yeah, just I'm not good enough. And with that, there was an underlying message of that I'm not deserving. Um, and that's a really big part of a story of why I do what I do now, or partly what I do, because there's an element where I have my kind of canine behaviour hat on and I'm just looking at our dogs from a behavioural perspective of, oh, okay, this is how we're going to support the dog in terms of who he is, just because the dog needs a bit of behavioural support. But it's not really, although I'm good at doing that and it's important to explore and to consider and be part of what our dogs are, it's not really where, it's not really what speaks to me, it's not really where my passion is. But after my PhD, um, I, I had an opportunity arose for me to work with captive wolves, which is what I did, but still kind of having this belief system of like, oh, I'm just not deserving, I'm not deserving of, of anything. And so really, because I held on to that belief system, it placed me into this situation um, where, because I, I believed and felt I wasn't deserving of anything, I was placed, I placed myself in situations where that showed up to me, like, oh, well, I don't feel like I'm deserving and, I was in a relationship that was very dangerous. It was it was abusive. Um, it was, um, yeah, a very, very uncomfortable time of my life, but also kind of one of the best times of my life, one of the worst times of my life, because it was also when I was working with the captive wolves. Um, and I had one of my wolf dogs, Tunka Sela, who's still with me today, she's 13. Um, and through her own trauma, Tunka Sela is a dog that I, I don't really like to use the word reactive because, again, it's very linear. It's very like, oh, let's just label that animal and that's just just unhelpful and disrespectful. So for me, it's just like, do you know what? She is a dog that struggles to cope a particular moment in time. She's a dog that is sensitive to her survival. And this is what I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, but I love, I love looking at the underlying message of why our dogs show up, not just of the support that our dogs need, but the messages that our dogs show up in this life or maybe when they've passed as a message for us, as a teaching for us. So I am so grateful for Tunka Sela being a dog who's sensitive for her survival because she literally saved my life. There was a point in my life where I was like, Do you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm just done now. I'm just going to end my life because th this just 
life is just really not not good um and i didn't because i her fate was so uncertain just being as being a dog that was really she she doesn't feel comfortable around strangers she doesn't feel comfortable around other dogs she's a wolf dog she's a, a difficult individual to understand for many people so that what happens if she's destroyed as a result of that and i can't i just that's not fair um and so there was a point in my life when there was a beautiful woodland that i used to always visit just every day just going to sit in the woodland and so i was sat in this woodland not having a clue what to do with my life just not having a clue of like wow like what what am i going to do and then there was a particular tree that i would visit and this tree its trunk how it how it grew was um it kind of came out almost like an arm and then grew up and so this arm it, it was it hung it hung off the floor so i could sit on it and it would just bounce up and down it's just like being on a seat like one of those little baby seats when you were a kid it just like was like one of those and so i was sitting on this tree as i normally do and literally i mean if anybody saw me it's just proper waterworks like snot tears everything like just didn't care um crying my eyes out and i heard this voice that said you are enough and i was mortified because i was like Huh, like the farmer, the farmer stood right behind me, been watching me for the last half an hour, like, and he's just spoken, and I was mortified. So I turned around and I was like, oh, but there's, there's nobody there. Like, I definitely heard, I definitely heard those words. I definitely heard those words. I just went back to crying and snotting, and uh, I heard it again. And that's when I realised, like, that's come from the tree. That has absolutely come from the tree, and that really took me on this, this really deep exploration of there is something deeper. And so I've always had this connection of, yeah, we are connected to the plants and the stones and the waters and the stars. And but I never really deeply practiced it or deeply, deeply connected to it. It was almost like that's been and gone in my time. You know, maybe if I was 200 years younger, like a time 200 years ago, maybe like really, really way in the future. But, you know, I'm a I'm a white English girl. How on earth am I going to have a spirit connection? Like that's time gone. Like not not for me now. It's just, you know, a romance. It's just something that is something from time time gone by but yeah i got this kind of this message from the tree and it, it just threw it was almost like it was like a, a lease of life uh, um yeah that threw me deep into then this spiritual exploration which has taken me a while to start to share in the canine industry because i'm sure all industries are ruthless in their own right but the canine industry is a very critical judgmental cruel um population and community to be in at times as as amorous and i know there's there's a group of us um that are really supportive and really empowering and um really open for exploration but it's it's a it's a distorted kind of organism in itself uh which is what it is but there's always been something that for me completes the picture and so that's why today I want my talk to be about like this canine nourishment of a different kind. And when we think of nourishment, like how I started this, this, this talk was about when we think of nourishment, really, we think of like, oh, nourishing, nourishing our body or we kind of nourishing the soul. But canine nourishment, we would most often think, particularly in, in, in our in our industry, in our profession, the canine nourishment is going to come through. It's like, oh, well, what are we feeding our dog? What's the right thing to feed our dog in terms of what the dog is as a species, in terms of the dog as a biological organism, how we feed the nervous system well, how we feed the immune system well, how we feed um, the digestive system well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's only part of what any of us are. And so in order for us to have complete nourishment 
as an ecosystem and this is how I always see life as well as a conservation biologist I was taught in ecosystem stability ecosystem health and so I really want us all to see ourselves and to see our companion animals and to see all of life as an ecosystem and so if we think about that first and foremost as just a cell like one of our cells that makes our entire body that cell within it within it is an ecosystem this busy little factory um doing different things interacting it's just one little cell that is an ecosystem and then if we think of ourselves as a physical being like right now it's like I am just a cell that connects to Amaris, that connects to Cara, that connects to Margaret, that connects to everybody that is listening to this talk, that then becomes an, an ecosystem as well. So we have this beautiful dynamic um, dance and soup that we sit within of we are an ecosystem within an ecosystem within an ecosystem. And so when we think of what an ecosystem is, an ecosystem is a complex network of interconnected systems that are interacting and communicating between the flow of energy of those systems. And so the way that I see life, the way that I see our animals, the way that I see anything is first and foremost underneath the physical being that we are, which is so hard for our mind and our eyes to kind of understand, is that everything is a vibration and frequency. First and foremost, everything is a vibration and frequency. And as an ecosystem that is um, at a particular moment in time, emitting a particular frequency and a particular vibration, I want to know how do we maintain that health? How do we maintain that nourishment for that ecosystem? And so as we think of our dogs as an ecosystem, a complex network of interconnected systems, our cells are a complex network of interconnected systems. Our dog, as it stands as a physical being, is a complex network of interconnected systems within itself. Its immune system, its digestive system, its nervous system, its anatomy, its organs, its blood, it, it, everything. But as one has, has a vibration, as one we have a vibration, and then as a collective we have one vibration. But there are so many things that create this malnourishment in our dog's ecosystem. So many things that create a malnourishment in our own ecosystem as well. And so one of the aspects of nourishment that I'm really focusing on and exploring, um, because it's so important, is spiritual, spiritual nourishment or spiritual malnourishment of our dogs. Um, because we are, as humans, you know, our dogs coexist with us. They live with us. They live in our homes. And as humans, we are we are subject to and are suffering with spiritual malnourishment. When we think of um, this circle that we exist in, when we think of our own ecosystem, our nourishment includes physical nourishment, includes mental nourishment, includes emotional nourishment. And there is so much information there. I mean, it's like you can't keep up with that research because no sooner do you read a paper or a book and like there's another 12 papers come out within that hour around mental health, emotional health, and um, physical health. Like it's important what we eat is important what we don't eat is important to look at our movement our exercise it's important our emotional stability to look at like what affects our emotions what emotions are it's important to look at our mental health and in it and it is um but i also feel like there's a there's an imbalance there where there is so much focus on physical nourishment and emotional nourishment and mental nourishment but to complete that picture to stabilize the ecosystem we also need to look at spiritual nourishment and this is the thing, everything is everything is interconnected. As an ecosystem, everything is interconnected. So as we're speaking now through Zoom, I always say like, it just looks like there's space. Oh, there's just space here. There's not space here. There is a nervous system 
So there's an energetic nervous system that connects me to, to all of you and you to all um, and you to, to, to me or all of you to me. Uh, and this is why when we pull on a thread, it affects all of us, whether we whether we know it or not. Um, you know, a great example that I talked about last year was reminding people, don't worry if even if you're kind of being resting, if you haven't really been you know, very busy during the pandemic, don't worry if you feel absolute fatigue, because as a collective, we are all suffering with adrenal fatigue because so many of us went into shock and panic and fear. And, and it took a while for us to kind of then get into that new system and that new way of life and that understanding of what's going to happen. And then we kind of took a sigh of relief. Boom. Just as a collective, we went into adrenal fatigue because so many of us were, were working and operating from that perspective and that level. But this is what I'm aware of for our dogs that we that we live with so closely is as humans, we are living from a place that we are subject to prolonged states or constant states of nervous system distress of that sympathetic activation that is constant or is prolonged without enough rest without enough recovery and that really affects our vibration that really affects our frequency and we are not separate from anything so i really love this this concept this this teaching of entrainment and the best way that i speak to my clients about entrainment is as someone that has a clock shop um, that owns clocks uh, the clock with the biggest pendulum the clock that has the biggest swing actually influences all the other clocks to swing at the same time. And that is a beautiful example of vibration and frequency because when we are in a community or when we just are coexisting with our dogs, our, our coherence, our heart rate, the thoughts that we have, the words that we speak, are we stuck in this cycle of um, thought processes, of belief systems, of self-limiting doubts, of stress, of panic, of worry, when we don't even know what is going to happen, then... Um, that can start to heavily influence our dogs and have, have an effect on their vibration and their frequency. And so this is like a huge, huge shift when we think of our dogs as an ecosystem. Um, but that's one of the things that I want us to understand when we're looking at spiritual nourishment or in fact spiritual malnourishment that so many of us are suffering from is the reason why we feel a disconnect, is the feel why we feel lost, is the, feel, the reason why we just don't feel quite right. And also it has an effect on our entire system. So our spiritual nourishment influences our physical nourishment and our mental nourishment and our emotional nourishment so where we are lacking in one we're going to be lacking in all three and just because of the work that i do from a spiritual perspective i know that when we start to explore spiritual nourishment the huge impact it has on our physical nourishment on our mental nourishment or our mental nourishment and also the impact that has on our dog's ecosystem and their nourishment as well and this is the beauty of our dogs this is the, the beauty of you know, the messages that they come as a spirit. So everything is physical, but behind anything that is physical, anything that is living also has a soul, it also has a spirit. Like a single blade of grass has its own spirit. A tree has its spirit. A stone has its spirit. Our dogs have been many things and will be many things. And this is, the in the work that I do when I connect to the spirit of the dog is what's so profound. Like as Amrus knows, I, I do a, a soul connection as often as I can with one of my dogs, Tonka Seela. And I literally just, I share what it is she wants to say, what she wants to speak. Um, but I do the same thing with, with clients and their dogs. When I'm connecting to the soul of the dog, it isn't just, of course, I'm focusing on the dog's life. What, it, what, what does the dog require? What does the dog need? What support does the dog need for its soul to be nourished in this lifetime? But our dogs are also 
many things. They have been many things. They will be many things just like us uh, because of the spirit that, that they have, the spirit that they are. And so our dogs also come as these beautiful messages, these beautiful carriers, these beautiful teachings. Um, sometimes it is like I, I might work with a client, for example, that they're like, oh, just my dog. I'm just so impatient with my dog right now. And I'm like, really interesting. What's the reflection there? Like everything is everything can be a mirror. Everything can be a reflection. Like you're telling me about impatience, like impatience is coming up for you when you're with your dog. What is it about yourself that you have impatience in? What is it about yourself where you get frustrated? What is it about yourself? Like I had another client's like, oh, I just want my dog to be perfect. I'm like, okay, well, first and foremost, everything is perfect right now. We, we are all perfect exactly as we are. I tell you now. But also with perfection, like where does that perfection come from? Where So our dogs are actually really beautiful. Beautiful, almost like um, um, volunteers to go, do you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll help my guardian. I'll help my guardian overcome this, whether they actually recognise it or not. I'll be there to be that medicine as well. So we come together on this spiritual journey together. Like our dogs are here to have their own spiritual experience. We are to ha here to have our own spiritual experience, but we also come together um, as the dog that we are coexisting with to have this journey of our spiritual nourishment together. And as we work on our own spiritual nourishment, we support our dogs or we can, you know, if, if we've got a rescue dog, like, wow, I feel, I mean, we're always working our spiritual nourishment, but if we get to a place where like, wow, I feel really good. I feel my spirit is strong. I am I'm, I'm recognizing um, my fears. I'm recognizing my stresses. I'm recognizing these stories that I've just been told or that I've told myself time and time again. And I'm, I'm, I'm working with them. I know how to work with them. So we might be in a good place ourselves, but we are then working with a dog that may be shut down or working with a dog that we get in from a rescue center. Um, we can start to nourish that dog's spirit. We can start to nourish that dog's ecosystem. Um, and so what I always find helpful when we are supporting and nourishing our dog's soul is to really have a deep awareness of ourselves as well. Where is it that we are living and operating from? Like what is what is our vibration? Because, you know, I did um, I did a little Canva thing today, which is like if we truly want, if we truly want to, to allow our dogs to have their best life, which is obviously what we do want. If we truly want to allow our dogs to have the best life, then we actually have to allow ourselves to have our best life. Um, we're very good like oh well I'll do everything for my dog and I'm I feel I, I want my dog to feel really happy I want my dog to feel really really good but again we have to also look within uh, and give ourselves permission to go do you know what like it, oh it doesn't it's not about me I'm not important yes you are important like everyone that is here is important so again as we work on ourselves vibrationally we work on our dogs and sometimes it is a separate thing I'm not denying that because that is also the work that I do but there's also this beautiful dance where often I'm working with a client and really i'm working with the human i'm working with the human guardian and as i'm working with the human guardian it's just wow the the dog just starts to change they start to as the human guardian blossoms so does the dog um and one of the ways we can do that really which is so powerful is the beauty of living with an animal that is not human the beauty of living with a non-human animal is that as an animal we are the only species that um operates from the brain we are the only species that has self-limiting doubts we are the only species that creates belief systems or self-limiting belief systems and um, no other animal does and this is the beauty of coexisting with a dog and the beauty of what they teach us of all animals live and operate and respond from their heart 
which we should be doing as well, exactly the same, when we drop into that place of our heart, when we come into that place of stillness, of silence, of being present. And it's difficult at first, it's uncomfortable because our mind tells us to like, get distracted, get distracted, come on, you should be biting your nails or doing the dishes or picking up the children or writing a book, or certainly you should just not be sitting still because you know, do you actually deserve that? I mean, yeah, you do, you actually deserve to be sitting still and coming back to that coherence, that heart coherence, that through entrainment is creating a connection, a spirit connection, a soul connection between you and your dog. And so the invitation first and foremost is to just have an awareness of our thoughts because we have these thoughts that plague us from, you know, when we're children, we're very much like non-human animals from around the age zero to seven years old. We see life as just a tapestry of energy and motion is what non-human animals see. It's the, there's no label for anything. There's no like, no label for a pen, no label for a, a drum beater, no label for anything. It's just like, wow, I see this as something that's a physical formation as a result of vibration and frequency. It's created something physical. And so as young children, we live and operate and exist in that place. We're not tainted by anything. We don't have any judgments or criticisms or expectations or beliefs. We don't like, our family might tell us, people that red coats are not very nice. You can't trust people that wear red coats. So then as children, we're like that, oh, better not trust people that wear red coats because that's, that's what we've been told. That's been instilled to us at such a young age. And so this work is really, really deep because it's changing it's changing our belief systems. And, but what I want to share with that is because we are vibration and frequency, thoughts become things. What we think becomes a thing. It becomes a matter. The words that we speak become things and the words that we speak hold an energy, hold a vibration. And so it's even starting to look at the thoughts that we have about ourselves, the thoughts that we have about our life, the thoughts that we have about our dogs, the words that we speak to our dogs. I mean, I have clients and, from a place of no judgment because at that at that moment they're not in that place of understanding but clients that will email me oh my dog's like my dog's a pain in the backside he's really naughty he's just such a stinker you see it on social media all the time oh my dog's like an a-hole my dog and I'm like that even though there is a little bit of jest in there at times it's like wow but it's the words that you're writing the words that you're speaking um that holds a vibration that holds a frequency and so it's having pure awareness from the heart having that heart awareness of the thoughts that we have become things the words that we speak become things um and really practicing what our dogs teach us many messages and many teachings they bring to us but one of those things is yeah heart presence heart awareness and think of our dogs as this ecosystem and feeding their soul as we need to feed our soul so that we are nourished and as we nourish our our soul, then the changes we see in our physical state, the changes we see in our emotional state and in our mental state, because everything is connected, everything is a vibration, everything is an energy. And so often when we have got soul nourishment, like this is this is talked about so much, which is so true. Um, you know, many scientists are actually saying now addictions, afflictions, and even allergies are a result of unresolved distress within the body. Our physical body, when we've got aches and pains, oh, well, you know, it's just because I'm aging. Oh, well, it's because I fell down 10 years ago and landed on my knee. Of course, those things can happen as a result of physical trauma, but our body is also a sensory organism. It's a sensory organ. So is our dog's body. And so we can, our body can be like a roadmap. It can be like um, a navigator in itself to lead us to um, 
where we have got soul nourishment, what, where we are holding on to these unresolved emotional distresses, through example, for the likes of trauma. And so as an example of trauma, um, Tunka Sila, one of my wolf dogs, Tunka Sila and I were, were um, in an abusive relationship together and we've both suffered with trauma. And do you know what? Actually, I'm not going to say suffer. I'm going to take that word away. I don't, I don't even see it as suffering. Uh, we've both just been exposed to, to trauma. And so what's really beautiful with Tunka Sila is she can detect, so she can detect adrenaline in somebody 48 hours after they've been to the, dream, the gym. Because when she was in that abusive relationship, what her body as a vibration and frequency has stored as a survival strategy, as a place of like, oh, when does my body feel threat? It's like a radar. When does my body feel threatened? And how do I need to have an awareness of this? Really what I want people to understand is anything, anything and everything that a dog sees, hears, tastes, touch, smells or feels from before birth to present day. So remember in terms of um, the development of eggs, the development of, of a fetus, as soon as that fetus is just a single cell forming, or even before they're a single cell, um, they are being influenced by the vibration when carried in the mother's womb. And so anything and everything that a dog, and it's not just applies to dogs, it applies to everything, anything and everything that any animal sees, hears, tastes, touch, smells or feels, is stored as information, is stored as vibrationally, how does this make me feel? Vibration is, does this, does this support my ecosystem and keep me vibrating aligned? Does it knock me out of alignment? And so with Tunka Sila, as she was being beaten, she was scared, so she was producing adrenaline. The person that was hitting her was also producing adrenaline out of anger. So she has learned, ah, the presence of adrenaline is something that is a threat therefore it becomes a survival strategy for her safety and so her survival strategy tells her the presence of adrenaline in somebody 40 hours after they've been to the gym is still enough in that person's body to be a, to be a trigger for her um and what we then can do is explore for the soul nourishment and spiritual nourishment perspective of how do we support that dog's ecosystem how do we support the dog's vibration and of course we can um, this is why I'm, I'm I'm not a trainer just because that just doesn't speak to my heart. But training and teaching is really important. Of course, it is for any animal. But this is why I also want us to just kind of go deeper and think deeper of for some dogs. Um, we have to go beyond that teaching and training because this is not only something that is so deeply rooted in the dog cells, but it's something that has that has created... Um, a distress within the dog's spirit, a distress within the dog's ecosystem, the dog's vibration, the dog's frequency. And so one of the things that I do for dogs or explore for dogs is I actually do shamanic ceremonies and soul work for dogs and, and actually horses and cats right now as well, um, where I explore to see is a soul retrieval needed. So the concept of a soul retrieval, again, it's not it's applicable to, to all animals um, where if an if an animal is exposed to something that for that individual is such a threat and it could be you know it could be as as severe as being in an abusive relationship it could be as severe as being in a, a car accident it could be as simple from a human perspective of someone just going like we're walking in a supermarket and someone looks us up and down and goes ugh that could be enough like wow what is wrong with me why did that person just do that to me and it could be such a wound that basically just so we don't just so that wound is not 
so heavy and such an impact within us, just part of our soul that is within us and around us just goes poof. It just, in, in psychological terms, in modern day psychology, it's classed as dissociation. It just leaves, just dissociates, just kind of unhooks and anchors. Um, but we can go through our lives and our dogs can go through their lives of having multiple soul losses. Um, and where, where an animal, where a dog, where a human, any animal has had a soul loss or soul losses, again, that's part of what makes up our dog's ecosystem, a part that makes up our dog's nourishment. So that can then affect the dog's physical health, emotional health, mental health, and also their spiritual health. So um, I will explore to see, is a soul retrieval required where I kind of go into an, an altered state of consciousness. I work with, with my kind of invisible team, my, my team from, from the unseen, and then explore what soul aspect needs to be brought back. And then we bring it back. And so I've had to do this for Tunka Sela a couple of times. I've, I've had to do it now now with her three times. Uh, once was when, it was a really big one. That was really, really intense when I didn't know the teachings of soul retrieval. And then I started to learn about them. And I was like, ah, I wonder if Tunka Sela will need one. And, uh, and she did. Um, but also when we think of soul loss, and this isn't about panicking. This is not like, oh my goodness, my dog's had, had this. Or like, because it, 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 this is like how long is a piece of string? It depends on the individual. Because what I'm about to share also applies to humans. But what can happen is soul losses can occur when an individual's had surgery. And um, because when we think of trauma, so soul loss happens where there is trauma. And when we think of trauma from a biological perspective, trauma is a nervous system response. So when we're having surgery, when the body is anaesthetized, the body kind of is listless, but the nervous system is still very much alive. And so anything that can be a tear, a break, an incision, a cut, is that's a trauma that's a trauma to the body that's a trauma to the nervous system the nervous systems as you go like wake up do something about it get away your 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 body's feeling pain the body is undergoing trauma but the body can't move because it's anesthetized um and so the the energy the the, the whole reason why from a soul loss perspective or from a survival perspective is we see in ourselves and we see in animals or we watch wildlife documentaries of the flight and fight response or we also have the freeze or we can have the fidget is when an animal's vibration is changing, is getting so heightened because like, wow, I, I, I feel like my life is on the line. My survival is uncertain. I need to do something. Do I need to defend? Do I need to run away? Can I run away? Am I going to get caught? Have I got strength enough to fight? Then that places that animal in a very, very heightened state of distress and a very heightened state of vibration. And what needs to happen so that trauma isn't held within the body is that energy needs to be discharged. So that's why you will see in wildlife documentaries like the prey animals naturally run, or sometimes you will see a prey animal like get caught, but instantly play dead. It like stops moving, plays dead, and gets dropped again because the predator is like, oh, I actually, it was the movement that really excited me about the chase, and now I've obviously killed the animal, so I'm not really that bothered anymore. I'll kind of drop it and then eat it, but the animal plays dead, and so the second it's dropped, it can do one or two things. It can run off. Or if you watch cats play with mice or you watch you know, wildlife documentaries, that prey animal will turn around and go all Jackie Chan on that predator. And you're kind of sat there watching the documentary going like, just run, like, dude, you're going to get eaten, just run. Um, but what is happening is the animal's body has got to such a heightened vibrational state that this energy needs to be discharged. Otherwise, it gets stored and that can create trauma in the body. But also what can happen at the same time is that a soul loss can occur because 
the body can't do anything about it. And so I've had to, in Tuncasila's case, and also with other dogs, and it's not about like, oh my goodness, my dog's had surgery and must need a soul retrieval, because that's just not true. But in Tuncasila's case, because she is a sensitive dog, she doesn't like going to the vets. She's had, um, Tuncasila's now 13, and she's had to have a couple of um, lumps removed, and, and one of them was cancerous. Um, that it was the surgery. She needed to have a soul retrieval as a result of the surgery. So there are there are many ways that soul loss can happen um and there are many ways that soul retrievals can occur we can we can have spontaneous soul retrievals dogs can also have spontaneous soul retrievals um but what i'm really interesting in bringing together this whole movement which is so beautiful there's just this big movement now of like wow our dogs do have emotions so we can talk about it i mean I'm sure that if you asked me that when I was three years old, I would still be like that. Of course, animals have emotions, like emotions, like we all have emotions to stay alive. And it really confused me even as a child of why, because even when I was a child, I remember hearing even in my family and, you know, people that I looked up to and my, my elders, animals don't have emotion. They don't feel anything. Um, and I'm like, that's just not true. And it's not true, but we've got this beautiful acceptance now of like, wow, yeah, okay, animals have emotions. Of course they have to have emotions. That's that's how they survive. We have these emotions as a, a primitive evolutionary toolkit for survival. Um, but it's beautiful that we have this, um, yeah, understanding now and acceptance and opening of the importance of physical health for our dogs, of the importance of feeding them correctly, the importance of the right amount of exercise that is right for that individual, the importance of the emotional health of our dogs that we um, we, we really hear them and we really feel them and we really understand them again as individuals, but also that they have opinions and they have likes and they have dislikes. I always said there's no such thing as a textbook dog because unless we wrote a textbook for every dog in existence, there's no such thing as a textbook dog because what my, one of my dogs took a seen the like is different to what Charlie likes is different to what Cola likes is different to what Max likes but they also come as I say as a spirit having this experience as as a dog and from that they have these beautiful teachings for ourselves these beautiful messages these beautiful lessons and so it's really important for us to honor that this this circle this wheel as I see it that is interconnected in every way of supporting their emotional nourishment their physical nourishment their mental nourishment but also with that their spiritual nourishment and how if we are spiritually malnourished if our dogs are spiritually malnourished then that is that is impacting them physically mentally emotionally as it is ourselves and so with that um that's why i put together the um something called the canine wellness wheel which i'm not going to talk about in great detail because it's it's going to take forever to talk about but um it's basically thinking about our dogs as an ecosystem we place our dog here we can put a little photograph of our dog in here or just their name and all the factors that are like energy gateways they're like vibrational gateways that either feed our dog's vibration they feed our dog physically mentally emotionally spiritually um or they can create distress they can create vibrational turbulence they can affect their frequency and because we coexist so tightly with our dogs, our dogs are in our home. Um, this is why I love looking at the relationship, not just the relationship of ourselves and our dog and the the spirit reason why we're here together, but also how our own wellness and our own soul nourishment and our own physical, mental and um, emotional nourishment is imperative for our, 
our own dog's wellness and health as well. So a big part of the canine wellness wheel is then the human wellness wheel, which is on the other side um, of encouraging people, inviting people, sharing with people and teaching people that we are all just vibration and frequency. And if we truly want the best life for our dog, then that means we're going to want the best life for ourselves and giving ourselves permission to do that and giving ourselves permission to to explore that what is and what that looks like and also the um the uh, it's not quite a parody but the the um there is a child screaming outside that's really distracted me i'm like that are they in pain i don't think they are i think they're just playing with friends but it's they're just not my train of thought um the um yeah, totally not my train of thought. The um, importance of when we start to open this doorway of looking at our own vibration, our own spiritual nourishment, it is so beautiful. Like I open my doorway really fully, although I've always been aware of it nine years ago. I mean, I've been deep into this nine years ago. And what I what I would say, using Tunka Seela, my own dog, as an example, that she still is... She still struggles to cope. She still, if there, if there is a strange person or a strange dog that gets just too close to her, then that is too much for her. She still struggles with that. But I have noticed by working on myself and and really two biggest things: working on myself and doing her soul retrieval, is the distance is a lot closer, and also her recovery time. So it could take her three or four days to recover from seeing a dog quite far away from seeing a stranger it could take her three or four days just to just to land just to ground just to be anchored and now it can be 10 minutes of just well i've saw that and i didn't want it in my space and i'm yeah that's made me feel vulnerable but okay it's gone now i'm, I'm good um and also that's working on myself as well and the the importance to share here is Although it's a beautiful way of living, um, it's not easy. It's not easy because it means that we have to be fully honest and fully open and fully realise that most, if not all, the things that we've been told by others and also ourselves like, are just not true. And so it becomes a complete rewiring, a completely like, we're going to go into our house, we're going to re... God, whoever did our electrics is really bad, we're going to rewire our house. That's exactly what we need to do ourselves. It's a total rewiring. There's a beautiful saying of cells that wire together, fire together. Uh, and so we have to lay down brand new neural networks. Um, but brand new neural networks that kind of speak from the heart and from the heart we then speak to the head rather than that are constantly speaking from the head. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of life. Um, and the first victory is because it's a beautiful way of life, but it takes time. Um, so I always say, hey, like everything is perfect. Every where we are right now is perfect and there is no shame there is no blame there is no judgment and the first thing to um be is your victory is just a recognition a recognition of like huh i've just sat i've just spent the last three hours just worrying about something that i don't even know what's going to happen i've just spent the last three hours about something that happened to me like five years ago and now it's just create anger in me mm, okay how can i look at that deeper but just in a really soft way just the recognition first and foremost the victory is i have an awareness i have a recognition of it and then with that oh going into that heart presence going into that stillness it's so so important
Um, and when we work on ourselves in this way, like, as I say, it, it's for me, it's profound, although I also do more kind of canine behaviour stuff, to come together when we are working with our dogs, supporting them as an ecosystem, for me, that is also that spirit message of like, wow, the beauty of having the dog in whatever way it's come, because it allows us to then also deepen and um, and fertilize our own spiritual nourishment. And then as we do that ourselves, we do it for our dogs. And that's the beauty of it, the absolute beauty of it. And so that's why I wanted to talk about the yeah spiritual nourishment or canine nourishment of a different kind. We are so focused now on mental, physical, emotional stability, nourishment, health, which is so important and so true. But what I still feel is kind of coming, it, it's coming in, it's coming in more and more and more, but still kind of like, oh yeah, it's still, don't still quite understand it, or people might judge me for talking about it, or, oh, I don't know, just, I'm not like, yeah, I just don't know quite know how to explain it. It's just the, oh, there's a spiritual side as well, but we are spirit, like we, everything that is alive is spirit. And so it's honoring and calling that forward. And when we do so, actually seeing our dogs very, very differently, seeing our relationship very, very different. And it just being like, it's just jewels. We are surrounded in jewels. We are surrounded in gifts. And then also seeing the gift that we are and seeing the gift that our dogs are and thanking them for that. So an invitation, a bit of homework that you may want to share with me at another time or just for yourself is I invite you and encourage you to, um, maybe if it, it might be comfy right now, but just to spend some time just after this talk to sit with, um, the intention in your heart of, wow, what are the gifts that my dog brings to me? And what is the message? What does my dog show up for me? What is my dog showing me that is within myself that is ready to come forward now and to explore because I have that trust, I have that safety. And, you know, one of them for me was, wow, I am so grateful for Tunka Sela being so sensitive to her survival because because of that, she saved my life. She absolutely saved my life. I'm so grateful for Tunka Sela just really opening up her spirit to me, being this really wise grandmother that we can sit together and she she shares with me these beautiful just teachings that I get to share with with humans. Um, it could be like one of my clients was, um, yeah, re get, re getting really frustrated with one of her dogs and really frustrated with one of her dogs barking. And I mean, it's confidential, so I'm not sharing what it is, but um, sitting with that and going, do you know what? Let's just, let's just look at this a moment. Let's just look at everything as vibration and frequency and interconnectedness. Um, we've got to a point now where like, it doesn't feel like this is this is your dog like it doesn't feel like this is distress from your dog it feels like your dog is speaking to you like your dog is literally going i can't make it any more obvious that i'm giving you a message here i'm giving you a teaching so let's go deeper and tell me just literally through just hold it get a pen and paper and just write or just now speak just don't think it just feel it and share with me what is coming through you when your dog is barking and then you feel this irritation, what is going to just keep speaking, keep speaking, speak, keep speaking. And then bang, therefore the human, we found, we found that core wound. And therefore the human found that core wound. And then what happened? The dog was like, that's what I was trying to tell you. And then it's like, God, the issues that I had with my dog, the challenges I had with my dog are gone. And so this is the beauty of sometimes we get so focused on like, I want the best life for my dog. I want to, to fix my dog. And this is kind of what I'm going to end on. Like, 
there is nothing to fix. There is absolutely nothing to fix. And I don't mean in terms of, um, it's like on a deeper level, there is nothing to fix because everything is perfect. We are here having an experience, having a journey, having exploration. And where we are right now and where our dog is right now is exactly where they're meant to be, exactly where we meant to be. So in that sense, there is nothing to fix, just to sit with, just to feel, just to notice, and then to explore. So I'm really not talking from a perspective of like, oh, uh, I find, like I really, I, I really would love it if my dog had better recall, then okay, we can work on that. But I would still look at deeper of like, why do you feel you need that? Is it for a safety perspective? Is it because you want your dog off lead, et cetera, et cetera. But, at this moment in time there's nothing to fix and you know we get so focused as humans we get so focused on wanting to fix our dogs because sometimes it's because we're so unconsciously like in our psyche in our spirit like we're so desperate to fix ourselves and so wanting and longing to fix ourselves but we don't even know where to start or it's too painful um yeah or um maybe we just don't feel that we're ready we're so desperate to fix our dogs because we actually think there's something wrong with them and there's nothing, there is nothing wrong with them. Um, and then again, we can look at like, where does that need to fix something come from? Oh, well, I feel really embarrassed because my dog does this and my neighbor's dog doesn't. Well, okay, where does that embarrassment come from? Oh, I feel really, I need to fix my dog because my, my family are really critical of what my dog does. Okay, well, that says more about them. Like, why are they being critical? Where Nobody should be critical. So where does that criticism come from? So there's always this deeper message. There's always this deeper meaning. And again, sometimes we can get so frustrated with our dogs because they always show up authentically. And that's what that's what we love in them because deep down, that's how we want to show up in ourselves. We want to like, wow, I wish I could just be as honest and truthful from a place of love and respect as my dog. And our dogs always show up honestly, openly and authentically. Even if we don't like it at the time, what they're showing us, they don't know any other way but to, to speak from their heart. And so, from my heart to your heart and from our dog soul to our soul in really making a difference for ourselves and for our dogs and just like dropping a stone into a waterway that having a rippling effect out to the, to the collective and that's what it's about is we do this work on ourselves we therefore do it for the collective as we do this work for ourselves it gives everybody else permission to do it for themselves and that for me is then bringing together that oneness that wellness which is what wellness is i'm a canine wellness practitioner i'm a human wellness practitioner i focus on wellness in every way and for me wellness is oneness it's wholeness whether we are the tiniest of ecosystem in a cell or as a physical being that comes together with everything else physical as one hub of a giant organism together um it's coming back into that wellness and that oneness and with that um replenishing our spiritual nourishment um, and exploring what that is for ourselves and our dogs. And that is my share, my friends. Thank you for listening. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone. <laughs>